love it. All right. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Sales Pipeline Radio. My name is Matt Hines. I am your host and very excited to be here for another episode. We are boy, around 2, 325 now, episodes of Sales Pipeline Radio over the last several years, and then happy to uh, happy to have you here. If you are watching and listening live on LinkedIn or on Facebook or YouTube, we're very excited that you have you here. If you are on LinkedIn watching live, you can be part of this show. You can ask questions of our guests today. You can make comments. We'll make you part of the show and make this inclusive and interactive. But thanks for being here. If you're watching live, or excuse me, watching on demand or listening to this through the podcast feed, thank you very much for downloading, for subscribing, for watching. All of our episodes, past, present, and future, always available at salespipelineradio.com. And every week we're featuring some of the best and brightest minds in sales and marketing. Today is absolutely no different. Very excited to have, I uh, haven't seen him in a long time, so excited to get to, to spend some time with CEO, co-founder of Saleshood, uh, Eli Cohen. Uh, Great to be you, here, Matt. Eli Cohen, Saleshood, love it. Thanks for doing this. I can't believe 325 episodes. Look at you. It's amazing. It's 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 just it's all about just showing up, man. I mean, it's just it's showing up, and it's, I mean, literally, if, if the key for me in doing that is just like eleven thirty Pacific every every Thursday, we do a show. It's on the calendar. We got we book, book good guests and just make it happen. Yeah, um, make it happen. And you're booked so, out. You're booked so out. listen, I mean, you know, I think I consider you one of the one of the OGs of sales enablement. I mean, even back before that was a phrase, you know, you spent seven plus years at Salesforce and a lot of that time was sort of running sales productivity. Yeah. Um, and sort of that sort of evolved into sort of what is now sort of a very robust sales enablement category so maybe talk a little bit about your sort of background where you come from and sort of where then you know almost 10 years ago now uh you created salesfit well i appreciate it and uh you know when we when i got when i got tapped on the shoulder to from mark benioff to lead uh sales enablement at salesforce.com you know it was it wasn't a thing right and and so we, we we spent eight years building out a lot of the processes, a lot of the best practices that we all are now living in, right? And so we anchored our program back then on some fundamental principles, which was let's get our teams aligned on messaging. Let's deliver a a coaching and onboarding experience that's personalized. But you know what? When I was at Salesforce, I had 120 people on my team, Matt. And so I started thinking on the back end of my career, you know, there's got to be a better way. And, yeah. uh, and, and so that was really the inspiration. I wanted to build a system that will enable companies to have best practices and enablement to, to scale all these enablement practices from learning to coaching, to content sharing, to measuring outcomes, right? Just when you think of scale uh, and, and it was incredible. We founded the company and there were only a few of us that were doing it way back when. And yeah. now, like I did the math the other day, Matt. Over $4.6 billion invested in all the companies in the sales category just in the last three years. It's amazing. It's, it's, it's amazing that, I mean, from back, I mean, I remember, I distinctly remember having coffee with you in San Francisco, like probably nine years yeah. ago when you were getting it going and there was no, there was no sales name one category. Right. But I think what right. you did at Salesforce, seeing that someone needs to do a better job of training and enabling sales reps, right? Like they've got access to content, but it's random. It's ad hoc. It's not scalable. Uh, talk about, you know, I mean, now that we have this, this industry, and there's a number of players that have sort of followed your lead. Like, talk a little bit about stickiness of these platforms, right? Because right. a lot, I mean, just like a lot of things, a lot of companies buy these tools, but they're not always well used. How do you create stickiness and effectiveness of a sales enablement platform? Yeah. Yeah. So, so for, let me just start by saying, listen, when we founded the company, 
we, our vision, our mission was to create a purpose-built all-in-one sales enablement platform that would deliver meaningful impact to sales and marketing leaders and to sellers and ultimately to buyers as well, right? Because you want to have an experience. And, mm-hmm. and, and so uh, there are a lot of companies out there that have pivoted from learning management systems, pivoted from CMS systems, content management systems, pivoted from, you know, conversation intelligence. Either way. These companies are all like, oh, yes, we do sales enablement. And, and so in order for it to stick and in order mm-hmm. for it to really, really drive the business outcomes, it needs to impact the right, the right outcomes. And, and, and that was our vision, right? And so when I think about how, does, how do organizations really get value, because uh, I love your question, how do you make sales enablement stick? There is, a, there is a proliferation of tools out there, but I'll argue that there aren't that many tools that were purpose-built from the ground up designed to be able to provide impact-based outcomes to sales teams, uh, the ability to personalize the learning experience and the content sharing experience and really provide an end-to-end workflow that's Mm going to enable a sales professional to get their job done faster and more efficiently. And uh, we'll go into some of the details, but kind of high level, those are some of the the, the dimensions that I, I, I start thinking about when you ask me the question, how to make things stick. Well, and that, and that environment has certainly changed a lot, you know, in the last several years, and especially in the last couple of years, right? As you have a lot of, you know, virtu- people that have been selling through inside sales teams, selling virtually, but now not just selling in a call center, but selling in their basement or from a coffee right. shop or wherever they are. How has the sales enablement needs evolved? I mean, it's not really, the pandemic didn't create it. It sort of accelerated a trend that was already happening. Absolutely. When you have a more a more virtual distributed sales team, how has sales enablement requirements changed as part of that? For sure. So I'm going to tell you a story, you know, pre-COVID, when I would meet CEOs and CROs and CMOs, and we would talk about sales enablement, they'd look at me and they'd say, you know what? I don't really think we need a system for that. We can fly our people to Vegas and, you know, our reps, they're our, our, our success folks, our account managers, they're, they're visiting people on site. We're, we're good. We don't really need a system to automate and we don't really think asynchronous collaboration and asynchronous learning is a thing. Don't worry about it. We're good. Post pandemic, all of a sudden, you know, the website started going off the hook. People are like, wait a minute, you enable teams to learn from each other, learn together, collaborate, asynchronously using video, using content sharing, and ultimately engaging with buyers. Like you do that whole workflow. Like, yeah, okay. We, we need that. That's been the big change. And, and I think everyone talks about the pandemic accelerating digital. And so the pandemic has absolutely accelerated digital for the sales community and for sales and marketing collaboration and ultimately for the buyer journey. And, and it's why we invested in uh, over the last two to three years, we really leaned into creating digital sales rooms and, and, and buyer sites because ultimately, you know, talking back to your question, how do you make sales enablement stick, right? Yeah. You've got to create impact and value for your teams and you've got to, you've got to boost their confidence so that they actually, uh, and you got to boost their confidence around what? around the content that they're going to be able, that they're going to share with your buyers. And that content now isn't just being shared in live, right? You're going to share content asynchronously. You're going to share content before a meeting. You're going to share pre-videos, post-videos. So, so, so digital selling, I think, has really heightened the importance 
of a robust purpose-built all-in-one sales enabled platform and not just like saying our LMS, our learning management system can make it work because it's not going to solve the workflow or, you know, your content portal, you know, your CMS system, that's not going to fly either. So uh, that's why I'm like purpose-built, man. It's got to be purpose-built. So there's a lot of categories. Well, first of all, we're talking today with Eli Cohen. He's the CEO, co-founder of SalesHood, and uh, talking about sales enablement and helping sales enablement platforms and initiatives stick. And you know, it's interesting to see how categories are created and named, and how they sort of put and sort of how they sometimes feel like it limits what we think of them as. Like marketing automation, not automated. Account-based marketing, not just for marketing. Sales enablement, yes, enabling sales teams, but there's a buyer enablement component to this as well, right? Yeah. So ideally, the content and the tools and the, and, and the efforts we're doing to enable sales should be reducing friction and increasing viscosity on the buyer side, which is why I think the idea of sort of buyer sites and digital sales rooms is so interesting because it's really sort of combining buyer and sales enablement together. Yeah. I, I completely agree. And, and you know, I, I, um, I'm spending a lot of time thinking about the name. I, I, I do believe people are talking a lot about rev enablement. We're seeing kind of the rise of rev ops as well. But I, I, you know, I, I recently looked at some of the trends and sales enablement is still on the rise in terms of what people are ultimately wanting in terms of a system to help reduce the friction, improve win rates, drive better buyer engagement, because ultimately we're selling, right? And, and uh, organizations, our sales teams, our customer success folks, our account managers, our partner channels, we are selling. And the purpose of enablement, yes, is to get people to buy. Uh, a, a we want to help them make decisions faster and the right decisions. But uh, I, my prediction is I think sales enablement will stick as, as the category name and, and sales enablement platform. And, and uh, uh, there's some other stuff we can talk about, but I'm not sure if that was your question. What were you thinking? I don't know. I mean, I, I think, I think just, you know, just knowing that, you know, part the, if enabling sales is about enabling buyers, right. And I don't mind calling it sales enablement because yeah. if you're just selling and selling in a, in a, in a, in a seller centric selfish way, you're not going to sell a whole lot of stuff to begin with. Right. And so right. I think it's part and parcel together. Um, but I there's, think, there's, oh, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'll add one comment. I think the big realization over the last two to three years as, as we've really helped companies is taking the buyer journey and infusing it into the sales enablement system. So mm -hmm. you're onboarding, you're ramping, you're ongoing learning, you're coaching, your, 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 your content AI is all following a buyer's journey. So ultimately, you're really elevating the competence and confidence and content that your teams are, are, uh, are, are developing as skills and, as, as, and the tools that they're using. I think that's really kind of what, what's, what, what uh, the pandemic has, uh, has really helped accelerate. And it's, it's connecting those two. And by the way, the other benefit is you got sales and marketing alignment now. Yeah. If you got the buyer journey in the middle and you got a sales enablement system that's going to enable you to track it and enable your people and develop the people, the, other, the one thing we haven't talked about are the metrics and, mm -hmm. and, and the, the analytics, right? And, and mm -hmm. the reason why companies today, they require a, a purpose-built all-in-one sales enablement platform, the reason is, is it's so hard to figure out what's working, what's not working. So if you're going to take a hodgepodge of systems and you're going to take your learning management system, you're going to take your content management system, you're going to take your, you know, a proliferation of tools that you're going to try and stitch together the end of the day, when your CMO and CRO are, are looking at each other and they're saying, okay, we rolled out this new pitch, what impact did it have? I don't know. It's hard to tell. But if you have one system and you know 
how your teams are learning, you know, which ones are being accredited, you know, what content is being shared. And I can look at rep profiles, team profiles. I can look at profiles by GL and I can look at the analytics and I can correlate it with leading indicators like pipeline creation and pipeline progression. Then you can, then you're really, that's the money shot for me. And, and, and that, that answers the why and how you're going to make this really stick. Back to your well, question. It, it makes it a cycle, right? Yes. Like you launch things that you, you you get more specific and more more strategic around what you create based on impacting the buying journey, based on most effective impact on sales. Sometimes you're right, sometimes you're wrong. And so having an opportunity to measure and see that impact um, and it, to do that well, and you know, for the companies we work with that are doing more complex motions, that are doing account-based programs, that are, that are enabling sales enablement systems, you can put a tool in place. You can write a playbook but you got to think about the change management and culture management required to do that well. Can you talk about what you've seen with your customers that have been a, that have been most successful at changing culture and changing programs so that this sticks? Absolutely. All right, we've done a lot of work on this and a lot of thinking and we've had we've worked with some of the best companies like Siobhan Thatcher from Ring Central, we've worked with Werner Schmidt from Sage and the list goes on and on. These are hyper confluent like amazing mm -hmm. company with amazing results. And, and they come to us with, with similar challenges, right? That the problems they want to solve are usually around uh, growing faster, boosting attainment and creating culture. They want to create a learning culture, a coaching culture. They want to create a, a buyer centric culture. And so the way that we've helped them is we we've mapped out a maturity model and, mm -hmm. and, and a maturity model for sales enablement looks something like this. Right. Let's identify the core pillars in a company's go to market. Let's sequence them out so that way we're not trying to do everything at once. For example, universally, the number one thing our customers come to us when they want to solve first is conversation, competence and confidence. Let's get our teams aligned on the pitch, short pitch, long pitch, demo pitch, corporate pitch. You know, there's a number of those. Right. That may take 30, 60, 90 days to roll out get everybody aligned, get everyone practicing, getting them seeing each other's pitches, creating a space where they can learn from each other and ultimately be better in their buyer conversations, right? Boom. Now I've done that. Awesome. Now let's focus in on the next phase of the maturity. Let's nail our sales execution. So let's do sales process and sales plays. Amazing. Now mm -hmm. let's focus in on the next wave of, of maturity, which is product competitive. And then what happens is then you've got those three core pillars and you're, you're maturing your organization, you're guiding everyone, you're doing all the different roles. Then you can start tackling some of the bigger problems, onboarding and ramping. And then you can start really building out persona, excuse me, personalized learning paths and, and, uh, and workflow for all your roles across your organization. That's how organizations today are driving the change so they can actually see the results and the impacts that they're expecting on their sales enablement investments. It's premeditated. It's uh, progressive. You don't have to do everything at once, yep. um, but show some early wins, make it approachable and sort of use that to build some momentum. I love um, it. I you love that. The, so last question, we'll let you go here today. I mean, so this is sales enablement, but you know, they're selling and there's renewing, right? They're okay. selling and there's land and expand. So talk about the potential for platforms like sales hooded to, to, to really impact customer success and account management teams as well. Right. And so uh, our customers today are using Saleshood across all of their customer facing roles. Right. So, a, you know, SDR, BDR, AE, uh, channel, customer success, account manager. And, and so um, the, beautiful, the beautiful thing with a sales enabled platform like Saleshood is, you know, and when you've got the alignment and when you've got sales and marketing aligned, you publish content once. 
right? And whether it's the messaging or whether it's the, uh, the product, the competitive, all your process information, your, 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 all your tools, you, you, you create this library of content. And then what you're doing is you're creating personalized learning journeys. And then you're identifying the specific uh, leading indicators that you want to influence. And so, you know, a, a system like Saleshood will say, listen, for an SDR, we're going to measure, you know, kind of calls made, voicemails, we're going to measure email sent, contact touches. But for a, for a CSM, you know, we're going to use a lot of the same content. It's going to be customized, though, for their role and tailored and sequenced differently. But we're going to look at a different system. We're going to look at a gain site and we're going to look at mm-hmm. their their QBRs and the effectiveness of their QBRs. When we look at their calls for verification of, of competence, we're going to look for different keywords. And, and so, uh, no, it's been really exciting to bring saleshood to the broader customer-facing organization, inclusive of partner channels as well. And uh, yeah, I think you and I both know uh, the, the the sales to CSM, it's 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 in, in this whole kind of lead to renew, that's the buyer's journey, right? Lead to grow. It is, it is. And when we think not just about buying journey, we think about just overall prospect and customer experience. It's the customer um, and experience. Having continuity in message and approach, not just from what you hear at sales, but what you hear once yeah. you're a customer and ongoing. Super important. Well, I know you're a busy, man. We're gonna let you go. Uh, Eli Cohen, co- CEO, co-founder of Saleshood saleshood.com. Thanks, man. Good to see you. Thanks for having me on the show. I really appreciate it. And congrats to you. Thanks so much. You too. Thanks everyone for watching and listening. Another episode of Sales Pipeline Radio. We'll see you next week, Thursdays, 1130 Pacific, 230 Eastern. My name is Matt Hines. We'll see you next week. Sales Pipeline Radio. 